0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 178 of Geek Town Radio, I'm back this week with Geek Town
2: Matt, how are you hey doing? Hey David, how are you doing? I'm alright, yeah good good what have you been up to this week two individual things from my side because we both have some similar things again uh, yes which is not a problem but anyway um, one short thing to talk about and one thing that I've spent a lot more time with I'll, I'll do the short one first Venom which is a film that I saw last week which has nothing to do with the MCU it doesn't have Spider-Man in it yeah uh, I don't think either of those things are spoilers because trailers and whatnot and we yep. already knew that going in I did do a, a review last week uh, I haven't reviewed Assassin's Assassin's Creed which is the other thing because i haven't finished it yet because i'm no near finishing it yes um yes reviewed venom and basically my consensus was uh i like that version of venom so i like the the tom hardy eddie brock venom combination i like that and i want to see that continue and as well as the uh, the girlfriend the Michelle Williams character yeah. um, I, those are the only two elements that worked to me everything else <laughs> I saw was quite bad and I really feel I, I just feel like certain decisions behind it such as the PG-13 rating or 15 rated yeah. over here was odd there's certain bits in the film where um, I think that uh, there's two odd things about Venom specifically in this film there's moments where he's the, you've got the up close camera like when he's on the buildings or when he's holding certain people and intimidating them I think He looks good then when you can see all the sort of slime and the detail and stuff. But there's certain bits in, uh, like when he's fighting the big groups and stuff, that... Uh, he's a lot darker and the the lighting of the film itself is a bit more off and granted those are like night scenes so you're going to have some level of darkness but it really kind of takes the detail off of Venom from there and certain you can tell in certain bits that it looks a bit sort of cheaper or um, certain things like that um, just don't quite help the film to stand up at all Um, and I've been hearing a lot in these in the last couple of weeks that they're going to do obviously a Carnage film and they said that that might be PG-30 if you're going to make a PG-13 Carnage don't bother, it, it won't work yeah. if, you, if you're if you going to do the same thing which is no MCU, no Spider-Man and do a PG-13 Carnage that, that's not going to work at all if it won't work here with Venom and you've got Carnage which, uh, a bit of background on him uh, he's essentially um, a red symbiote because obviously uh, Venom is the uh, the black one. Yeah. Um, Carnage is the red symbiote. He's the villain of Spider-Man as well. Although in some, I think in some comic lines, of course, there's quite a few different ones out there. <laughs> yes. Uh, Venom and Spider-Man sometimes team up to take down Carnage because Carnage is so powerful um, and so violent. And sometimes, you know, Venom or Spider-Man can't fight him alone. So when it's the three of them, sometimes they fight him together and then obviously yeah. probably fight each other. Um, but he's essentially like he kind of kills for fun basically sort of thing and he's much more violent so no, a pg-13 venom uh, yeah. a carnage won't, won't work at all
0: that was very much quite similar to what we were talking about last week because i mm. saw it i saw it as well i think the pg-13 rating is a mistake uh yes. i I really do. It could have been very much their sort of Deadpool, and could yeah. have been yeah. much darker and more violent, and and you could have put it out as an eighteen, and I think it, it would have been a, an infinitely better film because it would have given you a lot more freedom. And I don't understand the decision not to do that, given what a huge thing Deadpool has been, yeah. and and Wolverine movie as well. You know, yeah, Logan, I, yeah. yeah, Logan. I, I I think both of those films have proved that you can do kind of eight rated comic book movies and if any character should have been one for Sony it should have been Venom so yeah I think that was a mistake and you're entirely right if, if you're going to do a PG-13 Carnage movie that seems like a very bad idea I, I mean I didn't overall they didn't have a huge issue with you know the, I saw some really kind of vitriolic things said about the Venom film online I didn't find it anywhere near as bad as some people else said it was okay. I, yeah. think it, I think it's very formulaic it hits I a lot of the standard kind of action movie beats it's not massively original in terms of the story structure it ends with two large identical creatures beating the crap out of each other which is pretty much <laughs> what happens in half the superhero films so i mean mm-hmm. it isn't overly original I, I i was willing it to be better i very much agree with you i like that version of venom and that and tom, tom i do R. they need I to I try and keep him around right yeah. you know i i think there is another film in there, but I think the next film they should be an 18 rated and, you know, it's difficult because there is a monetary thing with that, but I, I think it could still bring in the income even at an 18, as an 18 rated film and I think it would give them a lot more freedom. So I would say to Sony, don't be scared of an 18 rating. I think, I think it'd be worth particularly if you're going to play with carnage they sort of teased carnage i think in the the end of this one as well yeah in the post-credit stuff so i would like to see more i i hope you know i mean it seems to be making a reasonable amount of money so you know hopefully they'll bring it back we'll have to see i would like to see it folded into the the wider mcu at some point but uh, oh sure
2: yeah Yeah, we'll, I we'll think see what for, happens. I think for me as well because we've not seen that character since 2007, which was the Spider-Man three film. Yes, for me and because we as Spider-Man fans, which is very much myself, because we waited so long for good things to come around, such as the video games and the films. I think now that they've got a good version of Venom and a very very good version of Spider-Man, the the best one we've had in my opinion. Yes, um, I don't want Sony to go to come around and say like, oh, this version of Venom wasn't successful. We're rebooting it again because then it would mean we have to wait another three to five years to see Spider-Man fight Venom again, and I want to see that sooner rather than rather than later. So, yeah. but uh, hey, at least we got a very successful version of Spider-Man, which is the core character. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah pretty happy with that yeah the other thing assassin's creed odyssey haven't reviewed it because i haven't got close to finishing it because it's a very very big game yeah. uh it's being compared to things like the witcher in terms of its like map and, and story and stuff uh which i think is is fair enough i think i like origins more and granted, o- odyssey and origins are very very similar of course with odyssey you're fighting in greece uh, as a spartan and there's the the athenians as well uh you're playing as cassandra or the the brother it's up to you basically there's two different sort of ways I'm looking at this one is like I really do like uh the story and stuff like the whole family dynamic and what's going on there and the conflicts of are we Spartans are we not how much of the Spartans messed us about should we go against them and join the Athenians uh, and that's kind of a back and forth thing throughout the game of course you as the player get to decide who you fight for and what decisions you make and, yeah. and those sort of things it's a little bit more choice based than than some of the other games and I've heard that there's nine different endings as well so I assume oh, your yeah. choices is probably matter yeah so yeah really like all that kind of like setup and stuff but it's very very grindy and uh, just just to put into context a little bit I did a story mission yesterday which was this this boat thing which I did I won't spoil who you meet later or what happens uh plus it might be different depending on who you kill and wh- whatever you decide to do yes what happened was I did a mission at level 20 or 21 and the next story mission for me is level 30 because I can activate the mission but in terms of fighting the enemies who are going to be in that mission they're going to kill me in like one shot because they're so yeah, much yeah. higher level uh, i think the brother in the uh, the the listing that they show is level 35 so that gives you a rough estimate of like maybe the game will finish around level 40 ish right, so yeah yeah and i'm back at at 20 so um yeah
0: that grindiness and that balancing between levels has always been something that i i've had a problem with with the assassin's creed games and i really would have hoped they managed to sort it out by now i mean the the comparison to the witcher or the the witcher 3 which i've seen some comparisons to is is an interesting one but that is i mean the pinnacle of rpg gameplay oh yeah i think yeah so i'd be amazed if it's actually if they've managed to get an assassin's creed game up to that level I would be very very surprised Mm -hmm. but I I mean because I've never been a huge fan of the Assassin's Creed games because of that like level thing and and the grindingness of it I may try and go back to it I may get it next year sometime but um, I've always found them a little off-putting the Assassin's Creed games because of that mm-hmm. I don't know it may be one that I go and pick up at some point
2: yeah speaking of like story and stuff I, I recently did a written thing where I talked about how to like sort out the story of Assassin's Creed not fix it but just sort it out because it's got the elements in some of the characters that you need there but they're all kind of spread out bit so I wrote about how you could maybe like bring that back together and just sort of right, sort yeah. the story. Because it feels a little bit like it's an anthology at the moment, which that wasn't the idea in the first place. Because no. the idea in the first place was like let's take down the Templars and that's sort of gone away. Yeah. Um so yeah just sort that out a little bit. But other than that it's, it's still a very good game. So
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh other stuff which I know we've both been yeah watching uh Doctor Who of course came back for his second episode this week. I'm I'm really liking Jody as the doctor I think Me too so if- Really yeah. good. The overnight ratings came out down a little bit on the opening, but that's fine. You you completely expect that. That always happens with the second episode of the season. It it went from 8.2 million down to 7.1, which is not that big of a drop, actually, no. for, for a, you know, first to second episode. And those are the only overnights. They're not, like people watching on catch up and like 7 days plus which is the other ratings that they look at yeah, so uh, it's, I, it's still it's got very healthy. yeah yeah and and i think yeah. that's still higher than uh, peter cabaldi final episode was so it's still doing great and i i think the stories have been solid i i really like the three companions even bradley Walsh. i i think he's, he's, he's fun. really yeah. they're all fun, fun nice addition you know that they're, they're mm-hmm. nice and different and, and uh, the whole gender thing it doesn't really make an appearance at all she really is playing the doctor and she's doing it brilliantly I think
2: mm-hmm. there, it feels there right was so, there was something that she said at the end of the second episode which I can't spoil because I can't quite remember what she said it was like come to daddy or something and then she was like no come to come, come to, to mommy or something yeah, yeah that, that was quite funny they, they've made a couple of little you know yeah, uh, g- gender made, type jokes which is quite they've made funny. a couple yeah. of
0: gender jokes but, but it still feels 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 very much like it's the doctor. You know, yeah, the, yeah. The, it it really doesn't. You know, it doesn't feel like they're pushing any form of agenda on it. It, I think they've they've done a fabulous job. I think Jodie's absolutely brilliant. Looking forward to seeing more of it. I I think you know Chris Children was definitely the right person to take the reins. He's very straightforward with his stories. It they make sense. Moffat, as much as I I love Moffat as as a writer, he wasn't a great showrunner and he would lose his grip on it sometimes and mm-hmm. it would start going off on tangents and and things. Whereas I, I think Chris Chudnall seems to have very much a solid grip on what he's doing with it. So bring it on. I I think it's uh, been superb so far. So I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing more of it. Yeah,
2: I think the BBC deserves some credit as well for having the guts to go with a, a female yeah. um, lead. Because we all saw what happened with Ghostbusters and, and what happens <laughs> yeah. n- nowadays when you change gender roles and stuff, like when people talk about um like James Bond and stuff changing yes. um, well, either they've, to... They've, either they've, to
0: Yeah, they flat out ruled out James Bond ever being a woman. They've they've (laughs) categorically said no. Uh, They've uh, they have said uh, Richard Madden is the uh is the latest top pick for being James Bond apparently mm-hmm. from uh, bodyguard and game of thrones he's the latest in the lead of the running which probably means he won't get it cuz they the bookies never seem to manage to land that route correctly so <laughs> yeah so,
2: uh, uh but no they deserve some credit for having the guts to to go for that yeah. um as well and uh yeah two other things Tosin, Cohen Mandip uh Gill who are the uh, the two younger companions yeah. uh they were both from Holyoaks, and I haven't seen them in anything <laughs> since since they 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 got killed off of it a couple of years ago. Uh, one of them got blown up by a car. That was what happened to the guy and the woman got injected with something and she got <laughs> killed. Uh, but no, it's nice to see them back in, in something as well. They've probably been in little things here and there, but it's good to see them back on like yeah. a, a TV show. Hollyoaks Holly so.
0: is one of those weird shows that seems to be an incubator for, <laughs> for, for talent. You know, yeah. people do time on Hollyoaks and then suddenly pop up in like much bigger shows or turn up in something in America or, mm. you know, it's it's weird that it is one of those shows that does that I mean Ricky Whittle for example was the yeah. highly one wasn't he and he is yeah. now this big American show with American gods so there's a few others that have seems to have done that it's uh, it's quite interesting but uh, you had yeah, um,
2: Emmett who's playing Tom um, he's playing um, yes Labo or whatever his name is. Uh, Lobo,
0: yeah, Lo- Lobo, Lobo yeah. on that. And was yeah. the um, yeah, there's some other Hollyoaks cast members on that I think as well. Mm. The uh, young attractive people, you see, that's <laughs> what they were. Other things this week. Won't talk much about this because we do a whole show about it. But uh, Walking <laughs> Dead back for its its first episode. Thought it was a reasonably solid start. Had it, its faults, but it could have been much worse. I like the new direction. It's got a bit western, which
2: is quite nice. Just try and enjoy the show with Rick Grimes' final episodes as a yeah. AMC very much want you to know yes yes they are definitely pushing (laughs) actively advertising it Yes,
0: actively advertising the fact that Rick Grimes final episodes I
2: remember that uh, Ken is a very important character (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) Um, so if you want to know more about The Walking Dead we of course do uh, The Walking Dead UK podcast that's over on entertainmenttalk.org you can go and find that and uh, me and Matt do that weekly so uh, you can go and listen to all our thoughts on The Walking Dead over there Uh, another show came back this week Riverdale season three of the that as I, I think i texted to you after, after <laughs> it, came, it came on it's gonna be a lot of happy riverdale fans in this archie gets his shirt off a lot in this show right, so uh, yeah i think yes. it was like
2: three or four times or something yeah.
0: yes yes you must just read the script going without his shirt again <laughs> you know so.
2: but no i really like them sort of um i guess it's because i relate to them more because my age and stuff but the sort of teen drama type shows you think of things like Hollyoaks and Scream and Riverdale yeah, yeah. and I mean if Scream ever comes back um, <laughs> but yeah th- things like that as well um, things like Until Dawn I know that's more like teen slasher type stuff but yes. uh, yeah th- those kind of stories I I'm mean, I'm, a, I'm a big sucker for
1: so.
0: it's interesting because they have gone a little bit supernatural with that opening yeah. episode of Riverdale and you do wonder whether they we are going to get a surprise kind of into to maybe some of the Sabrina of stuff, even though, I, or, or whether it was written with that in mind, and now they've had to separate the shows, how they're going to explain that. I, I mean, I... yeah, it's interesting because they do seem to be kind of erring towards not full blown supernatural stuff. I, I think that there is a scene at the end which I won't spoil but maybe can be explained away by it being, coming from um, Betty's point of view. But, but yes, I, so I, I don't know. Yes, it, it, it seems to have gone into a very odd area, that opening episode. But it's fun. I'm enjoying it. It's, I like it, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. it, it's a solid opening episode, I think. A couple of other things that have started this week: Star Wars Resistance, which I know you haven't watched because it's not on their TV. Yeah,
2: um, I thought they had Disney XD, but apparently they didn't. So. Yes,
0: apparently they don't have Disney XD on on there. Uh, it's not on Disney Life as well, which is the Disney the current Disney streaming service you can get really? in the UK. It's not on; hmm. doesn't appear to be in there either. Which uh, I'm assuming it will come on there at some point, but it's not on there at the hey, moment. Hey, that
2: Disney thing's on the way. They're gonna.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this. I'm. Sure sure it'll be on there when that them, so, so um, Star Wars Resistance it's the uh, new Dave Filoni animated series it's probably aimed at a slightly lower age group than the maybe the uh, Rebels series was I'd sort of get that slight feeling to it it's an interesting art style because it is 3D but it's sort of self shaded it, it's got this sort of manga-esque feel to it which is what they said they were going to go for it takes a little bit of getting used to it it's perfectly fine it, it's it's nicely enough done. I kind of would have liked to have seen it in the old Rebels style. I sort of prefer the art style, I think, over the one they picked for this. But, you know, it's uh, an interesting story. It's an area of the world we've not seen before. Basically follows a fighter pilot who is roped into the resistance by Poe Dameron and is dumped off at this kind of backwater place where smugglers and things hang out and they do these races to to, uh, win money to prove sort of who's the best pilot and uh, he ends up getting roped into a race. That's sort of basically the opening episode. And yeah, I mean it's fun there's some interesting characters in there you've got references to Captain Phasma, you've got Poe Dameron in there, you've got BB-8 in there and there's there's a host of kind of new and interesting characters as well. So we're worth a watch certainly if you're a Star Wars fan. And uh, The Gifted came back and uh, again strong opening episode. Starts off almost immediately after the previous episode finishes and then they there's like a six month time jump if you remember one of the characters uh polaris i think it is he's pregnant so yeah it's sort of dealing with the the birth in that first episode which, uh, given that she can't really control her powers when the birth happens, and she's—I uh, was strongly hinted at—she's the daughter of Magneto, so um, hmm. she's got the power to, to move things with uh, you know move metal objects. So her powers are going kind of slightly crazy as the birth approaches. I thought that was a strong opening episode. Things have kind of moved on and changed. You've now got the Hellfire Club sort of on one side, and then this sort of Rebel Resistance on the other, and and you've got the kids split with one with the rebels and one with the hellfire club so enjoying that um looking forward to, to watching a bit more of it i i thoroughly enjoyed that did you watch the first season of that
2: yeah um i watched half of i've seen half of the premiere episode because oh, I, okay. yeah. I ran out of time yeah i liked what i saw so far it's going to be interesting what happens to these shows once that the merger happens with fox
0: yeah i mean yeah they they have some discussion in this show about setting up a mutant homeland and the next movie that comes out the um phoenix movie the the mm-hmm. x men dark phoenix movie that i believe has the mutant homeland in it so this is obviously set slightly prior to that because there is supposedly a connection between that film universe and this but yeah you're right when when the merger goes through with fox it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that and what happens i mean the timelines are all a bit messed up anyway with that x-men universe so we'll we'll see where it goes but uh yeah it's i i thought it was it was interesting and maybe they are kind of leaning into the film universe a little bit more looking forward to seeing some more of that so that's all the stuff we've been doing let's move on to some tv and film news so kick off the tv and film news with the renewals cancellations and pickups and sticking with marvel one of the defenders has fallen iron fist has been cancelled after two seasons on netflix i mean i think this is a little bit of a shame because i thought yeah. the second season actually was quite good of this I mean it 's still possibly the weakest out of that bunch, but it had some great moments in that second season, and uh I was surprised that they actually decided to fully cancel it. I mean, I know the first season didn 't take off particularly well, and I think that's part of the problem is that the audience didn't follow it onto the second season because people gave up on the first. Maybe that's why, although the show is cancelled, it's not the end of seeing the characters from Iron Fist. They are going to be popping up in the other shows because they, I mean, I I did think it would be kind of interesting to use the snap as an excuse, the Thanos snap, as an excuse to get rid of him. I Um, mean, yeah,
2: it's going to set up a a ton of things. Yeah, so
0: so maybe you could have used that as an excuse to suddenly Iron Fist disappears. But, um... (laughs) I mean, it sounds like they're not going to do that. It sounds like he is going to be part of the universe still. He's just not going to have his own show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it does lend to the possibility that you may have a Power Man Iron Fist show, possibly. Yeah, the, the Heroes for up. Hire thing? Yeah, the Heroes for yeah. Hire. Yeah. So maybe maybe they go down that route at some point later on. That's a possibility. Maybe, you know, they team him up in the next season of Luke Cage cuz they haven't actually agreed a third season of Luke Cage yet, but it looks like it's going to happen but seeing as they're not that far along with it you could possibly club them both together and and make a Heroes for Hire series but at the moment we don't know all we know is Iron Fist will not have his own show anymore which is a shame but we'll see what happens next picking up on the story from last week Lethal Weapon has been picked up for two additional episodes and Damon Wayans has agreed that he will be in those two additional episodes they've also done some stuff behind the scenes because you remember last week Damon Wayans basically said I quit after 13 episodes I'm definitely not doing anymore. They've talked him into staying for the additional two. They've agreed to adjust the shooting schedule because that was causing him a lot of problems. They've also agreed to bring him special diabetic meals on set because he is a diabetic which really they should have been doing in the first place. I mean that seems like it should be a standard thing and he's usually a standard thing so if that wasn't happening I can see why he was upset. So they're making a few considerations. It's got very solid ratings in the US. Very, very solid ratings. It actually, I think, held its ratings from episode one to episode two, which just doesn't happen, usually. So Mm. Fox and WB who make it are going to be very keen to keep it around if they can deal with what's happening with Damon Wayne's? he apparently is sort of relented so we'll we'll see how these two episodes go he may change his mind about coming back again don't know at the moment all we know at the moment is they have definitely got two extra episodes we'll have to see where it goes from there but the, I, I suspect there will be some discussion behind the scenes to see if they can get Damon Wayne's to stay on for a bit maybe they reduce his role a little and bring somebody else in as a sort of extra partner to, okay. to boost yeah. it that would be one way of doing it but we'll, we'll have to wait and see also This arc has been renewed for a third season, which I'm very happy about. I'm still halfway through season two at the moment. I've got to go back and finish it. But uh, I really like that series, that Jason Bateman series on Netflix. I think that's been a solid show and uh, well worth watching if you haven't caught it yet. Just announced today, BBC and Netflix have commissioned a Dracula series from Stephen Moffat and Mark Gattis, the people behind Sherlock, which uh, I think is going to be very exciting. Given what a huge horror nerd... Mark Gattis's is particularly, and uh, mm-hmm. I have feeling Stephen Moffat's like that, but I mean, new Dracula show, it's going to be three episodes, 90 minutes an episode, basically the same setup as it is for Sherlock. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I think that's that could be very cool. That's coming up, and uh, good news for fans of Nathan Fillion. Sky Witness have picked up the rookie, which is Nathan Fillion's new show. I still don't have an air date for when they're going to put that out yet, but they have picked it up, so it is coming. Hopefully, imminently but it may be next year before they decide to get around to showing it. Moving on to bigger news, James Gunn, the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, is jumping from Marvel to DC, it would seem. DC have managed to snag him to take on a new Suicide Squad movie, which I think is a, is a pretty good get for DC, given what a car crash the first Suicide Squad movie was. That's
2: I, one way to put it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: at the moment, he's not down to direct. They've commissioned him to write it rather than direct it and i mean he co-wrote and directed the first two guardians films he may if they like the script then go on to direct it as well but at the moment he's only down to to write it uh, obviously gun was fired by disney off the um, marvel films after some outright journalist dug up some 10 year old controversial tweets that he put out that were sort of basically bad, misthought-out jokes. One question, copies. how do
2: you find a tweet that's 10 years old? That, I have got, no that's idea. Got to be some, that's, have that's, not, that's not something you just do. No, <laughs> that's well, something you probably search for, yeah. Basically, yeah.
0: He'd, been criti- he'd been critical of Trump, so some yeah. outright journalist went through and dug through his Twitter archive and found some tweets which were slightly dubious. This resulted in the production on the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 movie, stalling, found and more importantly the cast were showing very strong support for Gunn and criticised Disney about their decision to fire him in an open letter. So at the moment, the Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't really have much of a cast or a director. So we don't know what's going to happen with the next one of that. We'll have to wait and see. It may be a case of some of them don't make it back after the snap, quite possibly. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Maybe, with that. maybe
2: yeah. The other possible option is this film doesn't do very well and Marvel gets him back or Disney gets yeah, him back. Well,
0: that That is true. I Maybe. mean, um, the the Suicide Squad movie is not going to be, by the sounds of it, a, a direct follow-on, a direct sequel to the previous one. This just adds to the confusion that's in the DC Extended Cinematic Universe already, but, you know, it it's not going to be a direct sequel. We don't know which characters he's going to use, but then that's not really a problem because Suicide Squad is, well... It's a suicide squad, so not all the characters make it back every time. So they're fairly interchangeable. You don't necessarily have to have the same people. They've had Deadshot in the last movie. They had Harley Quinn. You could still have Will Smith and Margot Robbie in those roles in other movies and not need to recast them for this. You just don't have the characters and put Deathstroke in there as leader rather than Deadshot would be one possibility because Deathstroke's been part of the Suicide Squad in the comics. There's various options of people that you could put through that. I mean, basically any villain, apart from Joker, I think Joker's never been part of the Suicide Squad, but you could pretty much put any villain out of the Batman DC universe into Suicide Squad and it's fine. So they've got enough people to pick from. I mean, the DCEU is a mess at the moment. Yeah.
2: (sighs) Yeah, we got a Suicide Squad and Aquaman before we even got Batman. So
0: Yes. um, (laughs) It's it's very strange. Yeah, and there's, I mean, in terms of what they've got coming up, uh, Birds of Prey spin-off movie, which will have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress, Jeremy Smollett-Bell as Black Canary. They've got a Joker origin film, but that's going to have Joaquin Phoenix as Joker, not Jared Leto you've got the Batman movie coming from Matt Reeves but that's probably not going to have Ben Affleck in it it's going to have somebody else but then you've also got Wonder Woman movie and the Aquaman movie and the Shazam film which are sort of all based around the Justice League setup, and yeah. it's the same characters so yeah I mean it's very confusing I have thought the one way you could solve this is with the Flash movie when they eventually get the individual Flash movie yeah when off the that road. Happens you uh that they're they're talking about making it a flashpoint film so it's going to be set in a sort of out reality you could then have him come back and recast half the people and it would sort of make sense so maybe that's how you do it. Maybe you fix it that way. But we'll we'll wait and see what happens yeah. with that.
2: In terms of James Gunn with Suicide Squad, uh, good luck, question mark? Yeah, maybe? I mean,
0: I, I think he's the right person to do it. I mean, it seems yeah. like the perfect fit for him. I think, you know, if you can take a bunch of sort of misfits for to, forced to work together, it's basically what he did with Guardians. Nobody thought Guardians should work as a film, and it did. So I think if anybody can fix Suicide Squad, it's him.
2: Because in terms of what you have there, I want James Gunn to find the success but it's whether suicide squad is going to be that thing so yeah. that's where you've got the question mark again
0: suicide squad's yeah. another film which really should be an 18 rated i think you could quite oh, easily yeah. make that an 18 rated film and uh and do it that way i, what I was think the that first would... one
2: was that an 18
0: i don't I can't remember. think it was no no i don't think it was i think it was a 12 it was either a 12 or a 15 I, and i mm. think again i think that should be an 18 rated film and i think you give it to james gunn and and just let him go wild with it and go nuts yeah. and See what comes out. Yeah. Sticking with comic book stuff, CBS has ordered a Secret Six pilot based on the DC Comics characters. I don't know Secret Six particularly as as a sort of unit. I know some of the Me characters neither. in it, but the original setup for Secret Six follows six morally ambiguous strangers each with their own unique specialties and secret pasts they're brought together by an enigmatic figure who blackmails them into working as a team to expose corruption of the corporate and political elite it's coming from a guy who was the writer on suits alongside uh, bill lawrence's dozer productions they're the people that made uh, scrubs and they're making whiskey cavalier the lauren cohen series oh. uh, and wbtv so right. it's interesting because it depends what they go with because it's another one of these things a bit like suicide squad actually where a lot of people have been in that secret six makeup at some point so uh they've had people like deadshot uh catman ragdoll bane has actually been part of that group as well at one Cat Cat. Man, that's
2: a that's a new one
0: <laughs> uh yeah Cat, catman's a sort of very old dc character so uh harlequin's been in there lex luther's been in there penguin deadshot mad hatter So, I mean, they've had some fairly big names. The original team wasn't anybody you would probably really have heard of. But, I mean, the setup is basically team brought together, blackmailed into working as a group, even though they're basically all kind of morally dubious villains. The guy that brings together usually goes under the moniker of Mockingbird, but it's usually then revealed that Mockingbird is actually one of the members of the group, so he's, he's actually in the group guiding them. It's an interesting one to pick up, and it's interesting that it's CBS that's doing it as well, because CBS, the previous sort of sticking their toe in the water for superhero things with Supergirl, which lasted one season I think the interesting thing about this is you could tone down the comic book side of things quite a lot you don't necessarily need to make it people with powers you don't really necessarily need to make them comic book type characters you know you don't need it to be sort of people like Bane or Catman you could take any group of of morally dubious people bringing them together under a sort of spy guise so uh-huh. i think it it has that sort of procedurally element to it which would probably work better for a cbs show than it being out-and-out, big comic book sort of thing. It'd be interesting to see how they they deal with it and which direction they go with that. My feeling is that they may tone down the comic book side of things a little bit, because I I think that will probably work best for CBS, but we'll see. Yeah,
2: there's potential to do something interesting here, so...
0: Yeah. yeah Yeah. and uh, lastly there is potentially a new version of the Dresden Files coming to TV now uh, the Dresden Files uh, is actually a book series written by an author called Jim Butcher it's a very well loved series there has been a TV version before made by the Sci-Fi Channel and it was adapted from the books back in uh, 2007 starred Paul Blackthorne, who most people know from Arrow now he played the lead role didn't last more than one 12 episode season unfortunately that one it was supposedly quite good but it maybe didn't have the budget that it needed and you're talking over 10 years ago it possibly the cgi wasn't up to the level it needed to be either yeah. um, so you could probably do with a lot more with it at this point and uh, for those of you that don't know the dresden files it's a fantasy mystery series which uh, follows the adventures of a private investigator and wizard called Harry Dresden, takes on cases of supernatural disturbances in modern day Chicago, set in a world where all the supernatural creatures you can think of, so vampires, demons, ghosts, fairies, and werewolves are real. He acts as a consulting wizard, taking cases from clients, both human and non-human, along with helping out the Special Investigations Unit of Chicago PD. So it's it's kind of a... a procedural with supernatural creatures which i rather like the sound of i think that that sounds like it's a perfect idea for a tv show so i don't know why it didn't work the first time around but i think it makes sense that they're maybe having another go at it it's been picked up by fox 21 television studios so it's literally all we know is they've got the rights to it now the people attached to it are eileen mazel who was involved with the golden compass film and inkhead john fisher and Juliet walters from temple hill entertainment who were the people behind the Twilight Saga and Maze Runner. So they know something or other about fantasy, supernatural things.
2: Um, And werewolves.
0: And werewolves. (laughs) Yes. And vampires. So, um, so yeah i i mean it's it's got sort of reasonable producers behind it I, i'm not sure whether any of those are actually writers of it but uh, yeah i mean i i think it seems generally when i posted this there's a positive reaction to the idea of of trying this again on tv it sounds like the right sort of thing to try and adapt i would say yeah i mean
2: sometimes if a, a show doesn't work in in the past for uh whatever like budget reasons or if things just just are old or whatever yeah. uh sometimes a modern like reboot of, of something with with a newer budget and like a sort of refresh can can help it yeah, so, yeah. I,
0: I think it's it sounds like an interesting idea right and it sounds like the sort of thing that should work as a tv show so you know mm-hmm. we'll we'll wait and see whether it develops into a pilot at the moment like i say all we know is somebody's bought the rights for it and there's producers attached so uh, we'll have to see where it goes from there but it's, it's a positive step hopefully they'll do something with it so uh, that's all the news for this week next we move on to the interview <laughs> The interview this week is with the editor for the uh, extremely popular movie, Crazy Rich Asians. Maren Kirstein's been an editor for TV and Film, who has worked on projects such as Sex in the City, Girls, House of Lies, uh, Dukes of Hazard*, Fame. Uh, he's also been Zach Braff's him of Scrubs, go-to editor for his movies such as Garden State, Wish I Was Here and Going in Style. His latest project has been the smash hit movie Crazy Rich Asians with director John M. Chu. Follows a native New Yorker, Rachel Chu, played by Constance Wang, as she accompanies her longtime boyfriend, Nick Young, played by Henry Golding, to Best Friend's Wedding in Singapore. Nick has neglected to mention that he not only comes from one of the country's wealthiest families, but also he's one of the country's most sought-after bachelors. And Nick's mother, played by the brilliant Michelle Yeoh, is not impressed with this choice of partner. The cast also includes Jimmy O. Yang, comedian Rami Chiang, Harry Shum Jr., Lisa Liu, and uh, human star Gemma Chan. Uh, so in the interview we discuss about him working on the film, working with John Chu, talk about the pain of figuring out you know, what you have to cut out of a movie, working as an editor for film versus working on TV, his career in general. We talk a bit about Gemma Chan as well because uh, you know, obviously we've interviewed Gemma a few times on the show. So uh, this is all coming up in the interview. It's the editor Myron Kirstein. Hope you enjoy this. We'll see you afterwards with uh, quite a lot of highlights for next week on TV. Should we start off with a little bit of background? How did you get into film editing in the first place?
3: Sure. I started working on a TV show as a production PA called TV Nation. And that <laughs> right. was, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Yeah, but, um, yeah
0: Michael, Michael Moore's um, TV show, wasn't yes, it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I remember and, that. And,
3: um, you know, some of your listeners might know Louis Theroux. He was one of the yep. correspondents. It was basically a political satire news magazine sort of predating The Daily Show and it was like the Daily Show meets 60 Minutes. Yeah. And we had eight editors working on that show <laughs> and I was sitting there as a production PA locking off Times Square in the middle of the winter for a shoot on the show. And then somebody said, hey, do you know there's uh, there's need for help with these e- editors? And I said, you know, anything's better than <laughs> sitting at Times Square <laughs> in the middle of winter. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I volunteered to work in post and quickly enough i started becoming an assistant editor for these amazing editors and they started hiring me for different jobs after that show mm. and i built a built a network and then i started getting my own breaks as an editor i worked on this film called Raising Victor Vargas which was a small little indie movie and that movie led to Garden State and that movie led to bigger studio movies and then I found my way to Crazy Rich Asians so it was was really building that first network from those first editors and really hustling for them that I got my break.
0: Right yeah Yeah. so editing wasn't like a a thing that you set out to do in the first place it was sort of something Um, that... I I just
3: want, I just wanted to get paid to make art. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just wanted to make a living, any kind of living. You know, I had an interest in painting and printmaking and photography. I actually went to school originally to be an architect and I just wanted to find some way that if anyone could pay me to do anything, making art, I'd be happy. And funny enough, I just sort of fell into it. You know, I just felt, I actually, graduating from college, I thought I was going to be a DP um, because I, had you know this love for photography but I I just as much as I wanted to be on set all day there was something about the alchemy that editors brought to each piece that they ended up editing if that makes any sense that I really was attracted to and when I started doing it myself I was just like oh this the editors really just have so much power so much creativity so much outlet that almost any of the other crafts everyone adds to the collaboration but here is really like we the ultimate sort of filter for all these other crafts. You know, I get to be an architect. I get to be a photographer. I get to be a, a set designer, um, mm. a costume designer, a director. I get to be a composer. I get to do all these different things by essentially my craft.
0: Yeah, I very much get that. I mean, because there, there's the old thing about, you know, a film's made three times, once by the screenwriter, once by the director, and once by the editor. And that's certainly very true, I think, with the editor side of things, because at the end of the day, have with the director have final control over over what the film is you yeah know.
3: yeah I, yeah i ultimately find that i'm the co-parent of the movie yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> i'm certainly the producer or the writer might say the same thing but I, I truly i'm really there almost the longest than any other person on the movie uh, if you're hour to hour you know working with the director it, you know i could be on there eight months ten hours a day it's a long journey of it first being a a script to where we deliver a movie. Yeah. And um I always say that my little, you know, I say the co-parent reference because it really feels like all my DNA is going to the movie as much as the director, yeah. as well as these other, you know.
0: No, I, I can entirely see that. I mean, you are essentially the last person that touches the film, I suppose, before mm-hmm. it, it goes mm-hmm. anywhere. So Crazy Rich Agents is obviously the uh film that you've been doing most recently. How did you get involved with that?
3: You know, I heard about the film because you're 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 submitted these lists from your agent or you hear it from friends or you just hear rumors of this movie about to be made And one of my old friends from the 90s, his name was Brad Simpson, was a producer in the movie. When I worked with him the first time in the 90s, we were in New York. We both worked on this film called Velvet Goldmine. And uh, Brad was a post supervisor and I was an assistant editor working for my mentor at the time, uh, Jim Lyons. And, you know, we hit it off, but two decades go by. (laughs) And, (laughs) And then here's Brad, you know, attached to this film as a producer so I wrote to Brad and said hey will you will you put in a good word for me which he did he thought I would be a good fit for the movie he basically got me a meeting with John and I just had to convince John that I was the right fit for the movie you know I felt very passionate about the material I knew that the stakes were high for this being the first all Asian uh, yeah. cast in 25 years and um, just made a compassionate sell sometimes that's all it takes it was difficult at the time because he was in Malaysia prepping the movie already so i had a skype call him and those are the most awkward interviews for for a job yeah, yeah <laughs> uh right. trying to get you know sometimes you just want to be able to shake somebody's hand yeah um and them getting your vibe in the room but um i guess whatever i did worked and um <laughs> the rest was history
0: working with john and you described sort of editing as being co-parenting so presumably you have to have quite a good working relationship with the director.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, oftentimes, uh, like any job, it's just kind of like speed dating. Um, (laughs) You're just kind of getting a sense, like, can I sit in the same room with this person for eight months to a year without killing each other? And um, usually if you're getting an interview, they've already sort of have an idea of what your work entails and whether or not you're the right fit for the film, or at least for them. And then it's just at that point, just convincing them that, that they like you enough. <laughs>
1: um,
3: <laughs> yeah. You know, and sometimes those interviews can go really well together and then it doesn't work out that well on the editing process and Right you don't end up you don't end up working together again or or something worse happens over the course of <laughs> making the movie, you know, but um, so far, so good with John,
0: yeah, that's good. I noticed there was something about the the opening scene with the edit of the opening scene, yeah, do you want to just talk about that a bit?
3: Well, the opening scene is basically a I would say it's almost like a prologue of Michelle Yeoh's character, Eleanor Young, is being introduced to us. And she essentially is being told that she doesn't have a reservation at a hotel. And the subtext is that they she does actually have a reservation, but... They're not honoring it because she's Asian and she decides that she's going to buy the hotel and that she's not (laughs) only going to get the reservation, but they all now work for her. Right. Yeah. Um, There was some discussion about whether or not that scene should be in the movie, because it's really not a scene that is the film is hinges on telling the larger story. Yeah. And so there was a debate about whether or not we should just drop in with the Rachel Chu, uh, Nick Young story. Mm. But John, John fought for it. He felt, you know, it's basically the opening of the book, which the film is based on. Right, yeah. And John felt passionate that this not only told the story of Eleanor Young, but it told a larger story about where we are as far as the rest of the world's relationship to China and how um, this is about identity. And um, John just felt very, felt like it was important. Thankfully, <laughs> you know, he, he convinced even me and the rest of the producers. And to some extent, you know, I think the studio is supportive of John regardless, but yeah. he, you know, he, he fought for the scene and I think it, I think the film would have been fine without it, but I think it did, does set up a, a bigger story. And, and to some extent, it also sets up a franchise, which is, we have a bigger story to tell if y'all want to go on this journey with us. You know, there's, there's, there's two other books. There's a lot of stories to be told about that part of the world and um, get ready for it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that was probably quite a sensible move given how well the film has been received so far. You, you, I I suspect there may be more of them coming anyway. So (laughs) I mean, uh, fingers crossed
3: that. um, Yeah. But I, I do think that um, the audience really, they really were supportive and, uh, and, and came out in a bigger way than we ever imagined
0: yeah as i said earlier i haven't managed to get to the cinema to see it yet but uh i am very much looking forward to it it looks like a really good film so and i'm glad it's been received fairly well it's also got Gemma chan in it and and she's she's the one person i've actually uh interviewed off the cast list oh wow
3: <laughs> yeah yeah well you know how how wonderful she is and yeah. um you know she was I think at one point we're studying to be a lawyer. Not only she's beautiful, but extremely talented as an actor, but she's incredibly smart and, uh, yeah, just very humble. And, and yeah. um, how lucky are we, you know? Yeah, yeah. Gemma's storyline, she plays Astrid. In the story, she, you know, that that was another storyline that was basically on the bubble. We had we had big debates about how much of her storyline to be in the film. And to some extent, we did cut out a love interest with her, with uh, Harry Shum Jr. But the rest of her storyline, which was also could have been easily extracted. I honestly believe like a lot of people say, well, it's because Astrid's storyline is so important in the books. I actually think it's because of Gemma. She is so radiant. In the film, every frame of her, you know, just fights to be on the screen. It just says, "How dare you cut me from this film?" <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "I know, I know. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize mm. for even thinking it. I understand. <laughs> I get
1: it." It
0: must be <laughs> but, very difficult. But,
3: yeah, but you know, I th- I honestly believe that if it wasn't Gemma, it might have been a different film.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's such a great actress, but that must be as a sort of wider thing that must be really difficult sometimes where you've got things that just you can't physically cram in because it has to be a certain length or it needs to be you can't have it be a four hour movie so there must be stuff that you look at and have to cut out and it's like it, it still kind of grinds you not necessarily just on this film but on other things you've worked on there must be things that you cut out and go I, I really wish we could have kept that in
3: and I've literally had films that I've cut out entire characters they've become quite successful and like oh my god can you just imagine yeah. what this actor yeah. is going through right now. But you know in your heart that it was the right decision. Um, yeah, it's. Really, I mean, Crazy Rich Asians, my first cut of it was three hours long. And to be honest with you, I thought it was supposed to be an hour and a half because it was a romantic comedy and that's where most of them time out as. Yeah. And thank goodness the studio was supportive of a longer version of our story because there was a lot of stories to tell. But in, even in that, you know, I knew that the film uh, to some degree can work as an ensemble piece, but it was really about, you know, it was really a Romeo and Juliet Cinderella story. Mm. And I needed to focus on that. So at the end of the day, that stuff helps be your guide, your compass. Mm. And but it is is so difficult when you're cutting out characters or limiting someone's performance to even a couple lines. Yeah. It's agonizing. But um to some degree you kind of have to be ruthless and get your knives out and (laughs) and uh And just say, you know, I I say to younger editors who are first starting is it's like every frame of this movie has to fight for survival. It's basically Survivor of different characters that they're all fighting to stay on the island. And, you know, (laughs) if if they make a bad move or I can't figure out a way to... Craft a performance to tell the story we need to tell. Then they're out, you know. And the, the editors or filmmakers who don't have that philosophy, I think, oftentimes make very gratuitous pieces of work. And by the way, I've done it too. Where <laughs> I haven't, I either get lost, or I, um, or I have a director who just really wants to hold on to something and won't let go. And that just makes for, I think, sloppy filmmaking or just gratuitous filmmaking. Just yeah. you know, it, it's like an audience of one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I, I could I could get that. I mean it's uh, and as hard as it is for you, it, it's it's gotta be uh, horrendous for either the actor or even the person that has to tell the actor they're no longer in the film. So <laughs> Oh yeah,
3: I've literally had the discussion like with director uh, directors like, yeah, it's easy enough for you to cut them out. I'm the one that has to call them up and say they're out of the movie. Yeah. Don't go all high and mighty with me about how they how every frame has to fight for their survival when I have to make the call. Why don't you make a call? Go ahead. Tell them them you're telling your philosophy of filmmaking go ahead <laughs> tell them tell them you've just ruined your career by
0: <laughs> getting oh, out yeah. of one of the most successful uh, yeah
3: so my editor wants to get on the phone with you and just tell like how you haven't you didn't really fight to be in the film so you're out <laughs> like
0: yeah yeah Good. yeah I can't imagine that would go down too well <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: exactly uh, that being said, you know, I, you know, one conversation I recently had said, you know, what, what happens when an actor doesn't bring you sort of great material? And I and I'll say, well, it's it's up to me to try to find a way to make it work, you know, yeah. because at the end of the day, the actor was being as truthful as they could in the moment mm-hmm. to deliver whatever they needed to deliver. And sometimes it's really up to the editor and the director to find these little kernels to sort of build some magic out of it. You know, sometimes the the best performances come out of things that didn't quite work right on the day. So you have to give everything that's due. Like it can't just magically be there, at, you know, when you first watch the dailies and say, oh, my God, this is it. You know, um, yeah. sometimes you just have to keep working at it it so you have to be careful you know sometimes you know if I if I had been too quick to say my big speech to John and say Astrid slash Gemma wasn't fighting hard enough (laughs) um then she wouldn't be on the film and I gotta tell you there was man the reaction to her character and her arc is pretty huge when they watch a movie with an audience so um, yeah yeah so you know yeah everything everything with a
0: grain of salt I guess (laughs) (laughs) sort of talking there about about what are the kind of more painful ends of editing what, what's the most fun side of editing for you
3: the revisions the polishing the finding things to make work that didn't otherwise work scripted wise you know right. I, I often find the assembly process the first time i watch dailies is the most agonizing part of the process i'm literally sitting there with two to ten hours for a scene of footage and i'm like how do i possibly get this into Something. But then, you know, once you build the assembly, that first pass, and then you can start polishing and making it really sing, that's that I just get so much joy from starting to make things work. And adding music, you know, I, I work on a lot of films that have a lot of music in them. You know, I don't I don't use music as a crutch. I don't often assemble at all with any music. But once I could start adding it and start to bring things to life after I've polished it quite a bit, that I get a lot of joy out of that. I just you know, or I'll you know, I'll cut two scenes together that weren't supposed to come together for the first, you know, intercut them in a way that wasn't scripted or rewrite the story in some ways that, you know, restructuring, I just get a ton of joy out of that making things better, just having the time to make things better, you know? Uh, And that's a big difference between making TV shows or making films. You just really have times to polish, to screen in front of, your friends and then bigger audiences and then you just that polishing there's not many art forms where you get to do that and have feedback and just keep making something better you know
0: yeah i mean do you mention there the difference between tv and films i mean the turnaround on, on tv particularly some of the network tv in the yeah. US, is 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 completely insane
3: exactly i'm cutting a show right now that i they shoot it in five days and i have two days after that to turn over my first cut and <laughs> And I'm staring out like a couple hours of dailies and I'm like, how do I get from staring at a couple hours, watching dailies, watching these dailies, cutting these dailies and doing this all in seven days? Yeah, it's, it's, it's basically a math problem. You know, the really great editors can make really great shows out of that math problem. I'm sort of in between. (laughs) I'm getting the hang of it, but uh, I still prefer when given the chance to have the time to craft really you know, nuanced performances. And yeah. And um, if polishing is a thing that you love, TV is not a great place for (laughs) you. (laughs) No,
0: that's, that's pretty true. I would would
3: say. Yeah. That being said, you know, I I spent quite a bit of time on this TV show called girls before I did crazy rich Asians. And I really think that being on that show sharpened my skills as an editor because I had to be, you know, I had to be relatively fast, not as fast as network. We had much more time on that show, but still it was TV. And I I think between that and some of the network television that I've done, it really made me a better editor when I became involved with films again. And, yeah. um, you know, you're able to process in your brain dailies differently. And it does make you sharper as much as it's a hard while you're in it you know i mean
0: you know it's a case of having to trust your instinct you can't sit and ponder and second (laughs) guess yourself it's a case of having to trust your instinct that you made the right choice and and go with it you know yeah it's,
3: it's just like okay this performance feels good let's construct the scene i still do have a little bit of time to go back the good news about tv is that you know you do get your editors cut and then you get directors cut and then a producer's cut And then you get a studio cut and a network cut all during those different processes, which can last a couple more weeks. You can you, you can revise and look at new performance. And there is time built in there, even though it's not your cut to keep polishing it's just a, a bit of a different animal you know yeah. and um but you do have to just just kind of trust your instincts and you know like i said there's something to be said about you know using that muscle with features where you have more time yeah if you're more in the moment and trusting your instincts the way say a director or an actor needs to be um <laughs> who doesn't have a lot of time to shoot the episode in the first place there there's something to be said about being a little looser a more intuitive editing which is of count- counterintuitive because it's all about control with editing you know so when you can i uh if you can loosen up and be you know be like a finger painter it might actually make a, a better product you know a better piece
0: yeah i can get that uh what would you say has been your most interesting experience throughout your career
3: i mean i would definitely think the crazy rich asians is up there because i got to go to malaysia and singapore for the shoot yeah and these are two places that i would have never probably ever been to in my life if i Mm. hadn't been for the movie you know that's nine weeks spending time in a two muslim countries that are also very westernized um but being just exposed to a different culture in that way was life-changing i almost feel like i would just say Probably every American needs to travel a lot more, but to just have, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then you have a place that it's not just filled with mainland Chinese, but Malay and Indian, and then people from Australia and from all yeah, over yeah. the t- all over the world, like coming to these two countries, it's pretty eye opening. Yeah. um not to mention the food is mind blowing. And, and, um, it's almost like another sensation. The food is so good there. Yeah. um, um I don't know if people need to experience the humidity. It's, it's maybe <laughs> say that was a pretty amazing experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, it was a pretty seminal moment in my life when I cut garden state, I was living in New York at the time and I basically wasn't sure whether or not I was going to be able to make a living editing. I was, I was right. working on these, you know, I mentioned, mentioned this film Raising Victor Vargas, which was a great movie and I love working with the director, but it was made for under a million dollars and that means I was getting paid not very well. Not a
0: much. And,
3: <laughs> yeah. And I was living in New York. I was like, how am I going to make a living? I don't have a way to make this work unless I start making a living. And Mm -hmm. when I got an interview for Garden State, I actually interviewed in LA and and I met with Zach and he said, Hey, I think we're going to edit this in LA. And I think I might end up editing it at my house. And, and I said, Zach, I'll edit this in your bathroom if you want me to. (laughs) Like I, I said, I just really believe in this movie. You know, it speaks to me, uh, the themes of it. And um, please give me a chance. So I moved from New York to L.A. basically with that movie. Right. I'm actually originally from California. I said at the time that I would never move back. <laughs> um, yeah. Never come home. Never come home. But I'm glad I did. It showed me a version of LA that, I mean, there's, there's, there's things of, about LA that I don't like. Um, yeah. But I did experience LA as a, as an adult that I probably would have missed. hadn't I come back with that movie? And yeah. We cut in Zach's house, which when we first moved in there was um, completely empty. So I I had an avid set up in this empty house (laughs) and we cut this movie and slowly started filling it with, you know, he just started moving in and um, it was a pretty special experience cutting that movie there. You know, it was it it wasn't like going to Malaysia or Singapore, (laughs) but (laughs) it was, you know, sometimes when you're cutting something, you feel like it's going to be a unique thing. Mm. You just kind of you definitely check yourself and because I was moving there with a movie and my wife just got a job at LACMA uh, LA County Museum. Of yeah, Art. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it just felt like, okay, we're, we're supposed to be here now doing this thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, it seems like it's going to be special. So let's, let's just go with it. You yeah, know?
0: It's, a, it's a great little film, actually, Garden State. I would thoroughly recommend it to people. You've done a couple Thank of films you. with Zach Braff as well, haven't you? Didn't you do another one more recently?
3: Yeah, I've done two others. I did uh, Wish I Was Here, um, right, yeah. which some people say is kind of like the spiritual sequel of Garden State. And then we made this uh, genre piece. Um, going into b- style? B- uh, yes. Yeah, sorry, I blanked for two seconds. And that was great to make together. Because we just wanted to make a straight up action comedy, which neither one had, of us had really done much of. And it was fun, man. It was such a blast to do that with him. And, you know, to work with Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine and Alan Arkin. I an amazing yeah. cast you've got there as well. Yeah, yeah. Christopher and Margaret. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, we just had a blast making that movie. And to some extent, You know, that was a new line movie and new lines connected with Warner Brothers. And that gave me sort of basically my end with Warner Brothers to make Crazy Rich Asians so again it's all it's all kind of connected you know but uh, yeah I mean I really do love working with Zach he's he's a brother and um, you know I I hope to make more with him
0: yeah that would be good as I say I I really like Garden State I'll wrap up with my usual last two questions sure so the first question is what TV shows are you watching at the moment The Marvelous Miss Maisel
3: is really great my favourite
0: show of last year just um, amazing that show
3: yeah so um, my buddy Brian and Kate and Tim Strito and Kate Sanford, who I knew from the New York days, all edited those episodes. And so I'm a big fan of their work. Um, when it's on the air every couple of years, I'm a huge fan of Game of Thrones, of course. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> and just hope one day I'll get the call to work on one of those shows myself. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've been watching a lot of Netflix documentaries i'm currently watching this one called the staircase
0: oh yeah that's uh, a great one
3: i get a little overwhelmed by the amount of content out there (laughs) um i've been watching on and off killing eve yeah that's Uh, a good show as well back to like the staircase i kind of like to watch things that i'm not cutting so much which is documentaries which yeah back to the michael Michael more of it all you know i yeah, I was yeah. a big fan of like Roger and Me and and his first movies. So yeah, that's, yeah. when I got to when I got to work with him, I was just like, oh my god, this is a dream. So <laughs> watching a straight up documentary um, yeah. or a ser- series just kind of um, yeah, I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, um, but uh, and also this is going to sound really strange, but my family and I were really obsessed with baking shows, <laughs> um, and now my my young children are also. <laughs> Obsessed. <laughs> I have a five year old, and he gets to watch a show every once in a while. Now the shows that he's picking are baking shows, so it's uh, and I'm just like reality television is actually really. It's hard for me to watch because I know it's all manipulation. Yeah, <laughs> but there's something about watching baking shows and how they craft these sort of tension. Yeah, and who's who's gonna win and. I can't get enough of it. I just love it so much. And we love food and baking ourselves. So we're always like, oh, we should try to make that. And, you know. Yeah. So you watch those things as an editor and you're like, oh my God, there's this so much fun how they and and hard. You know how hard it is yeah. to cut those things too. Yeah. Um, that's not maybe the answer you expected. For- no, no, <laughs> that, that's that's great though.
1: <laughs>
0: So the last question, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present, or future, not one that you've worked on, which show would it be? Oh
3: God. I'm gonna name two shows. Go on. One is Breaking Bad. Yes. God. I Aww. just that show is great filmmaking, great writing, incredible performance. It's really funny and so extremely dark mm. and just beautiful montages that are yeah. not like regular montages. Yeah. So there's so much about the editing. and okay. we, are, we often um, describe
0: that as being as bat- close to a perfect TV drama as you can get. That. Yeah. I mean, I,
3: I God, I just wish I would, I wish I'd got that call. Yeah. <laughs> <Sure.
0: laughs> uh, the Twilight Zone. Yes, that comes up Man. a few times. Actually, I just would have. Lo- I just
3: would have loved it. just every day I got to make these weird short stories every week. You know, I mean, Black Mirror has a little of that. I'm a fan of that show. If I, you know, lived in that time and I got to work on that show, like I just think that would have been so much fun. You know. Oh, yeah. and, oh, god! i how could I forget? There's one other show that I would have loved was was Twin Peaks. I would have loved to work on that show. (laughs) In fact, Twin Peaks is is one of the reasons why I wanted to become a filmmaker because I started seeing how each episode was really influenced by the directors and who wrote which episode. And of course, David Lynch, whenever he directed an episode, was it was always really special. And funny story, when the new version of Twin Peaks came around, I was working on Girls at the time, and I had this really great assistant editor. Her name was Victoria Lang. And she came to me very late uh, it was like mid-season i think my first assistant editor on the show got bumped up to become an editor so i had to find somebody and victoria was that person and man she was just so good really helpful and organizing but also added a lot to the collaboration yeah. and one day i show up to work she's like so um myron um I-, I need to talk to you about something and i was like uh it's <laughs> like well i got this call i was like yeah okay just spit it out what, what what's the show She was like, Twin Peaks. And I was like, (laughs) basically, my whole, I just slumped in my chair. And I said, Victoria, you have to do the show. (laughs) <laughs> I would never forgive myself if I said you can't go on the show. Yeah. Fine. Go. Leave.
0: Leave me. I don't want to see you ever again.
3: So I actually I'll put that over Breaking Bad. As much as I love Breaking Bad and Twilight Zone, I would yeah. say Twin Peaks.
0: Well, I mean, I though I think Twin Peaks is unlikely to come back again, they are making the Twilight Zone again. So <laughs> that's right. I still have a chance. You still so in with a chance.
3: I gotta tell maybe somebody somebody out there will hear this. That works at Twilight Zone and say, hey, that guy, that guy can cut other things than romantic comedies. I know he can because he's an editor, because I don't know. (laughs) How how, how do I sell it?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, might not have one editor for the whole thing. You might have different editors for different episodes because... Right, and that's, so, yeah, yeah so, I, so maybe I you know. can slot yourself in on an episode maybe i don't know yeah i yeah i'm just gonna stroll on up put, to put it in cool yeah yeah <laughs> i know yeah. hello it's on cbs maybe you could kind of you know see who i've just about. come straight off this podcast <laughs> and i was thinking that
3: so you know i'm a big fan of trial zone just just throwing it out there see if just you throwing could, it out
0: there i think jordan peels the person behind it maybe you could sort of voucher ah, a number out of somebody yeah
3: yeah yeah okay
0: well it has been lovely to have you on i shall let you go and get on with your day uh thanks for okay. coming on it's been uh lovely to have a chat with you hopefully we'll get you back on again at some point in sort of 12 months or so and uh we can Talk about whatever you're up to then. I would love that. Likewise,
3: it was really uh, nice to be on.
0: Awesome. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Cheers. All right, take
3: take care, David. Bye.
0: That was the interview with Crazy Rich Asians editor, Myron Kirstein. Crazy Rich Asians, of course, out in cinema at the moment. If you've not caught it in the cinema, I'm sure you'll be able to catch it on DVD and streaming when it comes out relatively soon. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Next up, we've got some highlights for next week on TV. (laughs) Next week on TV, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll go through these as quick as we can. Kick off with Zapped, which uh, is back for its third season on Dave. That's the 17th of October at 10pm. This is the James Buckley Series about a data marketing analyst who gets transported into a parallel world of warriors, suiciders, and wizards. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of episodes of this, and then sort of never went back to it. But uh third season in, you know, so it's obviously doing something, right?
2: Yeah, I should have watched this. I feel like being yes, in, in I know what fans, you mean. I, yeah, I'm
0: yeah, very much I the don't. same. I feel like I should be watching it, and, and just I don't know, it just bypassed me. Um,
2: yeah. I I don't think I found out about it until like season two, and I was like, oh, he's been in this thing for. A yes. season already so it was yeah. weird
0: I'm sure it's on catch up somewhere
2: um,
0: <laughs> then we have the return of the first of the CWDC shows The Flash back on Sky 1 for its fifth season on the 18th of October at 8pm uh, that's the Thursday very much looking forward to that obviously also on uh, Thursday, we've on the 18th, we've got Big Band Theory returns for its 12th and final season. Uh, that's mm-hmm. at 8.30. They're having a bit of a comedy night. So uh, that's going to be followed by Happy Together, which is a new show, stars Damon Waynes Jr., the uh, son of the other Damon Wayans we mentioned earlier. That's on E4 on the 18th of October at 9pm. Uh, this is about a 30-something couple who um, ends up with a young pop star moving in with them. Harry Styles from One Direction. is an exec producer on that. Then, right then the... Uh, <laughs> so there you go. And uh, they, they're following that at 9.30 on the 18th of October on E4 with the seventh and final season of New Girl. Finally.
2: Fin- finally, yeah. Finished in... March, I want to say this it's year, something
0: like that. It's been a long wait for that to yeah. On. So, yeah. Uh, so that's back for its final season. Then also on the 18th, over on Five Star, you've got Empire season five. That's starting. That's at 10pm. Uh, that's the musical drama back for that. I I watched the first couple of seasons of this and then sort of dropped away from it. And I I really enjoyed it, but I just there's so much stuff around. I just it's at the wrong time of year for
2: me. Yeah, my musical drama is always Nashville. So yes, there
0: you go. Law <laughs> is coming to Amazon Prime for its second season. This is the one that's based on the podcast about sort of frightening and psychologically disturbing and often paranormal true, in quotes, events that have spawned in modern day nightmares. It's supposed to be quite good this season. I've watched a few episodes of it, but uh, again, too much other stuff on to, for me to go back to. But that's coming to Amazon Prime on the 19th of October. That's lore. Uh, Daredevil, back for its third season on Netflix on the 19th of October. Looks good this season. You've got Bullseye, You've got Wilson Fisk back you've got uh, more Daredevil obviously which is never a bad thing so I'm right. looking forward to that. Making a Murderer also coming on the 19th season 2 or part 2 I think they're referring to it as of that because it is a basically a continuation of the story of Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey so I'm looking forward to watching the rest of that see what they do with it because I love the first season of that so that's going to be interesting. Uh, Chicago Med one of the many, many Chicago series that's back for its fourth season on <laughs> Universal TV on the 24th of October at 9pm then we've got the rest of the superhero shows Supergirl season 4 that's on the 22nd of October at 8pm Monday night I think that's raring. then we've got Arrow on the Tuesday that's for season 7 that's on Sky 1 on the 23rd of October at 8pm if you're wondering about Legends it starts a week after all the others so uh, that will be back the week after and that goes out on the Wednesday yeah so Flash kicks it off at the start of this week on the Thursday and then you've got Supergirl isn't, Monday. Uh,
2: isn't Black Lightning tomorrow?
0: Yes, Black, yeah. Light- Black Lightning actually is is the, the first thing.
2: Sixth, 16th, yeah. Black
0: Lightning starts on the 16th, so by the time you hear this, that'll have already be up and available. So Black Lightning's out on Netflix. Then Thursday you've got Flash. Monday Supergirl, Tuesday Arrow, Legends from the week after will be on Wednesday. And then back to Flash on Thursday. Okay. And the crossovers, for those of you wondering, should be around December at some point. And then lastly, we've got uh, Seal Team, which has made a rapid return to Sky One for its second season. That's on the 23rd of October at 9pm. I'm very happy that's back. I really enjoyed Seal Team. So uh, I I'm glad to uh, to see them not holding on to that until the new year. That's going to be back imminently 23rd of October for that on Sky One.
2: And that's everything. Lots of stuff. And I still have lots of levelling up to do in, yes. uh, in the Greek world.
0: Yes. So uh, yeah. I shall let Matt go back and uh, continue his levelling yeah, up.
2: And try to decide if I'm a Spartan or an Athenian.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, if you want to find more from Matt, you can go over to entertainmenttalk.org. Lots of podcasts with new pretty pictures as well. So, yeah,
2: uh, yeah, we did all David redid all the um, the uh, what do you call them? Cover photos,
0: cover photos for yeah. the feeds. So, uh, yes, you can go and find uh, all his feeds over on uh, Entertainment Talk if you want to listen to podcasts for any of the DC shows or <laughs> Walking Dead. You're doing zombie You're doing when that comes back. We yeah. we do good place, uh,
2: it's been fun. Yeah, good, yep.
0: good place you've been doing as well. So, uh, yes, lots and lots of feeds for various different shows yeah. over there. But that's go and find all those over at entertainmenttalk.org. For us, you can go to geektown.co uk throughout the week for all the latest air dates which there are a lot of at the moment and uh, all the latest news want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk and don't forget if you want to subscribe to the podcast you can find us on itunes and you can also find us on spotify now yeah. as well if you want to go and subscribe on there so that's everything we shall see you next week bye bye
2: goodbye